Tactical Transition Navigating the Civilian Frontier Mastering Career Strategies Sharpening Networking Tools and Creating a Successful Transition Plan day here at the Tactical Transition Podcast. Michelle, how are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Cindy? I, I tell you, this weekend was Army, Navy. I know our, I hope our audience knows that we, we pre-record these shows and then have them set out on a schedule. And this past weekend was the Army, Navy game, and I picked up a little bug, so I sound a little bit like a bullfrog. So, probably not going to hear from me much on this podcast, but but I am here. And the one thing I do want to make sure that our audience knows about today's show as we get started, this is one of those shows where you are going to want to have a pen and paper handy because this is going to be information palooza here. We are going to have a lot of information that you're going to want to write down, take notes, go back and listen again because we have an amazing guest and Michelle I'm just going to pass it to you let you introduce our guest and get us started. Well fantastic and as we always talk about each other being a battle buddy I got your back on this one Cindy so no worries with the bullfrog we I think we'll be able to get this covered. Um, So I would love to introduce our audience to a dear friend of mine, Jessica Herman Storfer and more so an incredibly impressive professional. So let me give you a little bit of background on Jess. Jess is currently a senior talent acquisition operations manager for Eclipse Technologies, and she has been in that recruiting world since 1997. Throughout Jess's career, she has supported veterans and military spouse hiring. She understands that talent pool very well. She's worked with large and small businesses across the intelligence community, DOD, not-for-profit research organizations, and healthcare. She is proudly married to an Army veteran who served for 10 years, another good friend of ours as well. So Jess started her career at Manpower in the mid-90s and learned the fundamentals of recruiting or dialing for dollars. In that role, she learned the importance to building relationships to find and match talent. And I think that's going to be something critical we're listening for is how do we match that talent? From there, Jess joined the Weathersby Group and expanded her experience to find talent in multiple geographical areas and supported a variety of different consulting roles. From Weathersby Group, she joined the University of Maryland Baltimore School of Medicine as a recruiting and compensation professional. That is where Jess really started hiring a variety of positions that support the medical research. In that role, she learned more about compensation, which is the the foundation of hiring. Learning this important skill set has impacted Jess's career and expanded her ability to seek more complex roles. Learning that important skill set impacted Jess's career and expanded her ability to seek more complex rules. So after that, she joined the American Institute for Research, and that opportunity expanded her experience, which allowed her to lead a team in finding researchers, often with PhDs, in roles within the social sciences and education. From there, Jess joined the American College of Cardiology, leading a team to hire the people who develop continuing education in cardiology, lobby for healthcare, and provide healthcare education. 
In 2011, Jess had the opportunity, a very unique opportunity, to lead the HR and TA for a startup, 42.6, which supported the U.S. Army and the NSA. There is where she began really enjoying building the culture of this company, running their HR, their human resources, and growing that 42.6 team. When 42.6 was acquired by CSC, she followed her passion for recruiting at CSC Building out of their cloud and big data team support, supporting Intel and DOD. While at CSC, she led the cyber, big data, and cloud work for their commercial business. Towards the end of her tenure there, she was leading the Veterans and Military Spouse Hiring Initiatives, which is really part of what we want to talk to her about. After leaving CSC, she managed the recruiting team at Lidos for their NSA programs. And then she began to build their new business recruiting functions, supporting all their proposals and new awards across all intelligence agency proposals. That is where she really enjoyed leading talented teams and mentoring junior staff. Now, out of all of that, that prepared Jess for the most rewarding job she claims to have had thus far, which is with Eclipse Technologies. In her current role, she helps to lead and build the talent acquisition functions of a new company, specifically Eclipse's hiring processes, application tracking system, candidate experience, and their metrics. In addition, she is training and mentoring talent acquisition professionals and integrating talent acquisition teams to their newly acquired company. Throughout Jess's career, she has developed a passion for connecting people, building out processes, and learning about her field. Raising her hand to volunteer to work on projects, even ones that she has never worked on before, is what has allowed Jess to grow and is truly part of her passion. So Jess, what a wonderful bio. I'm so excited to bring you on here. And and so I just want to say welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is such a treat. I can't tell you. I love it. I love it. Because, you know, you and I can just sit and talk anytime, but now we're going <laughs> to share some of this this valuable conversation. Um, and I, I'll tell my audience that, you know, Jess and I get together on an occasion, maybe up in the Annapolis area, down in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area. And when we do, oh my goodness, we can talk and talk. And it always goes back to the veterans. And that is what I know about her. And that's what I was most excited to invite you is I know you have a passion for that veterans. So just as we are teaching our veterans transition, you are going to be an absolute subject matter expert. Now, I would love to ask you how long have you been in recruiting, but you clearly told us that in your bio. (laughs) What I'd like to do is kind of get into some meat and potatoes about our conversation that we have scheduled for today. So the very first thing I want to ask you is, as veteran retirees from the military, and they begin networking with talent acquisition, and they're not really sure what or who a talent acquisition manager is, can you kind of give me a little bit of background on how you can help that veteran with their career search or your tour? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, talent acquisition has lots of different aims. So I think it's kind of good to start there. You know, you might hear the word recruiter or recruiting manager or staffing manager. Talent acquisition is just the latest and greatest rendition of what they like to call people in my profession. But, you know, I think when you are starting out looking for your next 
great role leaving the military, which is can be challenging. Reaching out to someone like myself or a recruiter is really invaluable. But you need to also make sure you're finding that right person to reach out to. So one of the things that I generally recommend is who has someone that you admire or that you work with or that is a peer, have they talked to before? Because it's all about networking and finding that person. And they may have had a really great experience with someone or they're really excited about the company they went to. So that's a really great first start. How that person can then help you is to really sit down and understand your background. I think when people are transitioning out of the military, they a lot of times have the opportunity to touch a variety of different things. And they have a variety of different skill sets because their jobs have changed over time. They may do something for two years and something else for three years and something else for four years. And it's really important that you sit down with people in talent acquisition to understand what that company can offer you, but so they can also understand you. Because a lot of times people who have not been exposed to the military, maybe they weren't a former military spouse or a veteran themselves, may not completely understand what's on your resume. And so where they can help you is they can ascertain that information and then help point you into the direction of the right people to talk to. And it may not be because there's a specific position open right away, but they can also help you network with those people. There are a lot of times, you know, I have a big passion for working with people who are transitioning out of the military. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked to candidates and they're amazing and I love them. And I'm like, I want to hire you, but I don't have the right position for them. But at the end of the day, I want them to find the right home. So I can also help them be like, okay, maybe my company is not the right company for you, but this company might be. Or this company manages this type of program that would be. Or maybe you don't want to be in government contracting like I am anymore. Here are companies that really value hiring veterans. You know, a lot of times I'll connect them to my husband to use our networks of people. And so I think it's really important to continue to network and find people like me, find people who are just individual recruiters or talent acquisition managers to start building out that kind of talent pool of people to help network what you do. Inevitably, you're going to have amazing skill sets that are going to translate into things. You just kind of need that that ghost whisperer, for lack of a better expression, to understand what you do to translate it to other people that may not understand. And that's kind of how what a good talent acquisition manager should help you do or a good recruiter should help you do is to say, you know what, you applied to this position, you've got a great background, but it's not the right fit for you. Let's look at this over here. I think you should talk to this person or we do this type of work that's really in line with what you've been doing and getting you connected to those people. And someone who is eager and hiring in general is going to help you with those things because even if the job you apply to is not the right job, they're going to want to help you find a job within their organization that is. So I'm I'm glad, so glad you're sharing that because, you know, I think there's a perception because people don't know. So they make assumptions and there's an assumption that the word recruiter is similar to a recruiter in the military, which is a very hard and honorable job. But often people see it as, well, they're going to put me where they need me and they may not be focused so much on my talent. They're going to try to recruit me in whatever that hole is they're trying to fill. And so to hear you saying like, 
no, you might just, you know, your talent isn't right for this, but let's connect you with others. Because I think there is a perception in our veterans that competition, competition, competition in the civilian world, when you and I both know that a lot of, and I think my husband coined the term uh, competitive, that one time you might be competing and the next time you're going to be teammates. And so as to hear a professional talent acquisition, uh, such as yourself say, listen, if I don't have something for you, I might pass you over because, uh, or pass you over to somebody I know Because I think that there's the perception that it's what you'll get paid to do to bring Mm -hmm. them on. And you're saying, hey, listen, I got a job, but but what I want to make sure is to make sure you land properly as well. And so I think that was a fascinating opening that you just gave us and instantly just wiped out probably three falsehoods that people assume. Yeah, I mean, and part of it, too, is the professional, right? Like, I don't think everyone is maybe as altruistic as others. I don't work for an agency, so there's different types of recruiting as well. When you work with staffing agencies, per se, yeah, they are getting paid to place you in a position. In most corporations, what you need to understand is the recruiting team is getting paid to recruit for that organization, They're not most of the time incentivized by how many hires they get or other things like that. So someone who is worth their salt is going to take the time to get to know you to help place you. People who have had experience in military recruiting and, you know, one of the things you may want to look at, too, is some of these recruiters that you're talking to is you might see some of them are former veterans. And they're going to understand what it's like to transition, which is really helpful. But don't be afraid to also ask a recruiter, hey, who do you know that you think I could be talking to to help me with my job search as well? Because if I don't have a fit for somebody, and even when I work within large corporations, you know, if somebody was really looking for a position, it was someone that was referred to me, I was always trying to help them grow their, grow the people that they were connected to or could be connected to to find a job. And also to get them good information, because ultimately what life looks like in the military is very different when you get out of the military. And I think it's really important to understand, you know, some of those details and idiosyncrasies as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's let's kind of take that that road a little bit. You're talking about life looks different in, you know, on the civilian side. So let's go into the hiring process. Let's talk about that hiring process that military members may not be aware of. And so what are some common things that the military members, when working through a hiring process, connecting with you or a team member, what what may maybe a few things that they just simply don't understand in this process? I think one of the first things is really thinking through when you're going to transition and when you should connect with people to look for a job. And also understanding when you look, say it's six months out from your transition, you know, till you can start a new job outside of the military, you know, the jobs that you see posted then are not going to be available in six months. And a lot of times I see people will start applying to positions and What you need to understand is at that point, companies need to hire somebody then. There are certain opportunities that may be available longer term. It's a great time to start networking, but just understanding the timeline, you know, I I like to feel very prepared and I know if I knew in six months that I needed a job, I'd want 
to find something six months ahead of time. And that's not always going to be the case for you because the positions that you may see just may need to be filled earlier because there's a need for that job, which is why it's posted. Once you do apply or you start circulating your resume, you know, think you need to really look at your network and think through who you know. Understand people are going to talk to you and ask you questions like, where do you want to live? What kind of salary are you looking for? And you need to start thinking through salary as a holistic compensation plan and not just getting paid a salary. Because within organizations, when they look at paying you, now they're looking at your salary. They may be looking at paying benefits. You may want to think, am I going to take TRICARE? Am I going to take the benefits? Am I going to take a supplement to TRICARE? All those different things that may impact how much you will get paid. PTO, other things like that, that are going to look very different and think through what are the necessities of you and or your family? Because it's important to set that standard. In addition to that, though, it's also really important to understand that there are a lot of salary surveys and other things that are out there. They're not necessarily always accurate. And while anything's a pay raise when you don't have a job, on the flips, which is one of my favorite expressions, on the flip side, you know, you are worth and know your worth when you're going into a role as well. And that's where you need to talk to colleagues and other people that may have transitioned a year ahead of you that you may know or recently so you can get information to get a better understanding of, of what that worth is. When you're ready to apply to a job or start circulating your resume, be prepared that you're going to hear from a variety of different people. Be prepared to sell your story. Don't be afraid to ask, hey, you're calling me about a job. Do you have a job description so I can, you know, how to cater your story to that job itself when you're talking to somebody and sell yourself for that role? Make sure when you're talking about yourself, you use I statements and not we statements, which is really hard. I find a lot of times for people that are transitioning out of the military because you're so accustomed to being a we. And the reality is you did a lot of things. And you need to be able to sell those things uh, when you're talking to people in the work world, because they want to hear about what you did and your contributions, which is really important. Don't be afraid to self-advocate as well. You know, selling yourself, don't be afraid to ask for things. If you don't ask, you don't get. And then start thinking through that process as you're talking to companies, asking them questions about their culture, about things that are important to you. You know, maybe now that you're transitioning out, it's really important to you to coach your kid's team or to do other things like that. Understand the work schedule. Don't be afraid to self-advocate for those things. Is there telework? Am I going to have to travel? And understand what your family limitations are now that you're transitioning out to set your family and yourself up for success. And then one thing that I always tell people is if you're getting into government contracting, when you're transitioning out of the military, understand if the job is funded or contingent upon something. And why that's important is I've seen a lot of times where people have gotten offer letters, which they've accepted and assumed that they had a job upon transition, but that job was contingent upon something, whether it was that company winning a program or funding still being there when they transitioned out of the military. So it's really important to understand those things as well, because 
unfortunately, I've seen situations where people haven't understood that and they've gotten out and they're like, I'm ready to start. And they're like, well, that job's not available yet. And then they're kind of back to square one. And unfortunately, sometimes there are people in the recruiting field that maybe aren't doing a strong enough job educating or hiring managers for that matter. And then as well, look at other people, go to LinkedIn and other places like that. Look at companies that are known for hiring veterans. Look for people that have veterans profiles and reach out to them to get feedback. Maybe if you're interested in that company, hey, John Smith, I see you work at ABC Company. They're making me an offer. Has it been a good experience for you? What should I be asking for? I, you know, I feel like the community wants to help the community. And I feel like it's really important that you take those steps to kind of self-advocate as well. And then the biggest thing is once you start, be prepared for the world to look a little different. Things are not necessarily chain of command always. Communication styles are very different. <laughs> Orientation may have your head spinning because all of a sudden there are certain things you'll have to do, like timesheets or other things like that that maybe you haven't done before. And they're important and they have their place. But it may seem kind of mundane and compared to other things perhaps that you've done. And But they are important and they have their role. So understand what those things are. If a person is working with a talent acquisition and they don't mention a contingent or funded, unfunded, is it appropriate for that veteran to ask those questions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ask them, if I can start on this date, can I start this job? Ask them what program it's going to be working for. If you're going to be working in government contracting, how long has that program been funded? How long do you expect that program to continue to be funded? When is it going to be recomputed by the government? You know, all those different things so you can understand maybe the length of that role, or if you're going to have, you potentially be doing something different for your company in a couple of years from now. So as, as a veteran is speaking to you, when is it appropriate for them to talk about compensation? I think early and often, candidly, and, and compensation is going to look different for every role. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. I had a candidate probably about six months ago that I found that I was trying to help fill a position with. And I actually didn't end up hiring him, but I talked to him a lot because he was looking at a variety of different positions. He was getting out of the army after 20 plus years. I've been doing some really cool leadership work. And he was looking to either do a data science role or a program management role. And they pay very differently. And so it was having some of those conversations with him in general, like, you know, I may not hire you for my data scientist role, but you need to be asking these questions. And because your program manager, I know you want to make this much money. Mm-hmm. That program manager role is not going to pay that. Your data scientist role might. So it's asking questions, too, based upon the positions that you're con- being considered for, because they may pay very differently. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, and part of that's understanding the fields and stuff you want to get into as well. So when they talk about that compensation, is that a salary base? Do they do you recommend them starting with a range and do they include a benefits package when they begin talking about that? Or how does that conversation take place? Give a range or I would suggest giving a range instead of a hard set number. Because that way it's not a line in the sand. The commercial and business world in general generally looks at compensation more than just a salary. Mm -hmm. So they're going to look at things like benefits. 
And that's part of your overall compensation. And one of the things you may want to ask is, hey, I'm if you're going to keep TRICARE and not take a supplement or anything, ask them if they pay for you not to. Some companies do, and a lot of people don't know that. So ask them those types of things. They're going to include matches that they give to a 401k for you and other things like that as your overall compensation and other benefits like life insurance and those types of things. So it's really good to understand all those benefits. It may not make sense to you right now, but I'll give you an example. Recently, I actually started a new job and because of the benefits package I got from my new position, my husband and I are actually saving about $800 a month in benefits, which is benefits so you guys know are paid after taxes, you know, out of your paycheck. They're not pre-tax dollars like a retirement plan. So that's $800 a month that we are actually getting a pay increase because of that benefit. So if those are things that you're looking at, really think through the impacts of those things. Or if you're used to a certain salary or you have an expectation of a certain salary, ask them if you're going to take additional benefits like health insurance or something like that, ask them what the costs are because that is going to impact your overall salary and take home. And is it appropriate at that time to also discuss any kind of opportunities for bonuses or does that, or do you wait for that conversation when you're going through the hiring process? Now, I think it's important to understand all of it. Sure. You know, if you're being hired into an executive level position, I think the expectation is there would be some sort of bonus or stock package or something like that that's involved with that. Maybe there's additional leave. There could be different other benefits that are involved with that. So if you know, and and understand your audience and understand the position maybe a little bit more before you ask those questions, but if you're networking and getting connected, say with a large government contractor, and you know that you're going to be going into a role that would be the equivalent of an executive role, which a lot of times is a director or higher or VP or higher, it's important to ask those questions because they do affect your overall pay. It's also important to understand when they pay those because some every company has different year ends. Some are January, some are July, June 30th, some are September. So, you know, and so they're going to pay out those different bonuses at different times without the, throughout the year. The other thing is to understand too merit and other things like that. You know, we when you work for a company, you're going to get hopefully on um, once a year, some sort of performance evaluation, and then you're going to get a pay increase involved with that. So it's important to understand those things too, because they do impact your overall pay. And then one thing to think through too, and it's kind of common sense, but I always throw it out as a reminder is sometimes companies will offer to pay you a sign on bonus to pay you a little less. If you can negotiate, I always recommend taking the higher salary because your pay increases that your salary is going to grow off of is based upon that salary and not the sign-on bonus. So, you know, say a company offers you $125,000 and a $50,000 sign-on, and I'm making it up. Mm-hmm. And another company offers you $150,000 and no sign-on. Over the time, you're going to make more money off that $150,000 because 3% of $150,000 is a lot more than 3% of one hundred twenty-five. 
So let's talk about not only a compensation package, but as folks are networking and, and talking with you and working with you, let's talk about looking into fit. So part of your bio talked about matching those veterans with you. And so Cindy and I often in our class, we talk about that corporate culture. Why is that something important? And how would a veteran discuss the corporate culture or find out more about what a company's corporate culture looks like? Sure. There's several ways. First, go to their website, read their website, understand what they show you. You know, people show their cards a little bit through that. Go to their LinkedIn page. A lot of times companies promote conferences, events that they're having for their employees, awards, all those different things. You can see what companies really value when you go to their social media. And I think that that is really significant. And if their value is awards and things like that of new work, you will see that. If their value is their employees and things their employees are doing, you're going to see that. So those are some quick and easy ways to start. Ask around. Who do you know that works with those companies? Ask them what they like about working there, what they don't. What have been the biggest challenges? What frustrates the employees? What makes them happy? How do they feel valued? which I think is incredibly important. You know, places like Glassdoor and other things like that that you can read about, sometimes you need to take it into consideration. A lot of times with people who go to social media and post things are generally the most frustrated. So keep that in mind when you look at those things. But there is value still in checking out some of those things as well. And then in addition to that, you know, ask the recruiters about it. Ask the hiring managers about it. What brought you to this company? What's important to you? Why do you stay here? What, you know, is this company what you thought it was when you started? All of those different things that I think help people understand why they choose to work where they work. Because we spend so much time at work. It's really important that we're someplace that we feel cared for. And then in addition to that, think about your own values. What's important to you? What is your passion? But not only what's your passion, like at the end of the day, what makes you feel fulfilled? And look at that from the corporate perspective. And if it's service and some people, you know, they giving to the community and stuff like that is really important. There are companies out there that give you time off to go do community service. Maybe that's important to you. Maybe they invest, you know, smaller companies sometimes invest in service organizations that employees care about. That's important. Maybe what's important to you is education. You know, organizations, you know, obviously through the military, you've been given amazing opportunities to go continue education, get certifications, do all those types of things. But the company you work for will pay for those things too. And so make sure you're taking advantage and looking for those things of continuing education and growth is important to you. In addition to that, you know, I am a big proponent of seeing what, for larger companies, what do they value as far as being on veterans lists and ethical behavior lists and other things like that? Because at some point they had to put their money where their mouth is to make those lists. So I look at those types of things as well, if those things are significant to you. So there's a lot of different ways you can do that. If you're going to talk to people that have worked in organizations, I always say talk to three at least (laughs) because one person may just have had a bad opportunity or bad experience. And there may be two others that had a great, but I think at least if you talk to three, 
it gives you some different perspectives to get a true appreciation of what's going on in that company if you can. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity to see more of a trend than an yeah. individual's opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I love that you're reinforcing this because one of the things that Cindy and I spend a lot of time on is talking about that professional balance that you do have to find a place that that you feel like you're making a difference or that you're valued or like you said, cared for, but more so because you are investing a lot of time and you spend a lot of time with your work and your work partners and your teammates. So I I love that you have reinforced what we have finger waved and preached to our class the entire time. Now, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that, you know, when a job is posted, that's going to be a hiring opportunity. And so if you're six, seven, eight months out, that's probably not going to be the job for you, but the networking opportunity is still there for you. So I love that you said, hey, don't just hesitate and say, well, I'm not within the window of hiring. But what can advice do you have for the veteran six, seven, eight months out that they could start implementing to bolster or to build up that resume? What kind of things do you find are very important for them to show you in that resume? And how do they get that resume in your hands? It's And it's not just the resume, it's the LinkedIn profile. It's all of those things. And think about what you've done. You know, in any industry we're in, we all have our own jargon, right? And so In recruiting, I'll talk about things and somebody outside of recruiting is going to be like, what in the world are you talking about? But the military is no different, right? And the Army's jargon is different than the Navy's jargon. That's different than, you know, the the Marines jargon or whomever else. But it's really important to look at your resume and remember that people that are in talent acquisition and sometimes hiring managers and even people, even if they're in DOD industry, may not know exactly what you're talking about on your resume because they weren't in the military and they won't know what some things mean. So when you're writing your resume, make sure you're writing it in a way that somebody outside of the military can also understand it as well. Because I feel like a lot of times there's so many missed opportunities because maybe there's jargon in there that maybe you're trying to make it sound really official, but in doing so, it's taking the meat and potatoes out of what it really was. The other thing is it's really important to share the details. It's really easy to give a high level overview of, I worked running money for this organization, you know, and I I managed a budget of X and I directed funds for Y. Well, that's awesome. But what did that really mean? Were you really managing a program? You know, I mean, within the army or the Navy or wherever, you could be managing large programs. You could be managing 450 people. You could be doing all of those different things. And unless you drill down the details, it's lost. And those are really important qualifications because they show leadership. They show organization. They show project management. They show your connections. They show a variety of different things. And organizations that you have touched and been involved in that are really beneficial to other organizations, especially if you want to pursue government contracting. On the flip side, from a management perspective, say you've decided, hey, I don't want to support DOD and do that stuff. I want to go do something else. And say you want to get into like a commercial consulting firm or something like that. Your leadership and management and your drive and your ability to 
have managed budgets and streamline things and other things like that could be very beneficial to them. So it's really important you highlight those things. In your resume, make sure at the top you highlight significant achievements, right? Significant awards that you've had, significant programs that you ran, anything like that that could be applicable to that position. The other piece of it is it's really important that you cater your resume to the position you apply to. One size does not fit all. So it's really important that you tweak those things. How do they get it into your hands? Is it significant that they get that resume to your hands? or It's significant they get it to my hands. It's significant they get it to people who do the work they want to do's hands. So maybe get it to me. Find people like me on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way to find us and connect with us there. Don't be afraid to send your resume through LinkedIn. You know, if you see a job you really like, try to track down the recruiter for that job within that company via LinkedIn. And if you can't say, hey, I saw this job. I am transitioning out of the military. This is what I want to do. And get that resume to somebody. And I suggest in that case, find a manager versus just a recruiter so that they can help find the person who's managing that position. And I think that will help you as well. Um, but find other people who do that work there and network with them as well and, 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 and talk to them that way. And that's probably the easiest way. You can certainly apply to a job. But if you know, and I'm going to lean back on my government contracting side again, but if you know you're transitioning out of the military and you know your passion is electronic warfare, find those companies that do that. Find out who those leaders are. Put together an email or a letter with your resume, find their email and say, hey, this is my passion. I want to continue to serve my country in a new capacity now. And I know I can help the mission because of my expertise here. Here's my resume. By the way, I noticed you're connected to this person. You know, I was in the service with them or they're a friend of mine or I've known them for 20 years because they live down the street from me or whatever the situation is. I mean, shamelessly promote yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. No, excellent advice. So one thing I did want to just go go into just a little bit of detail. What about SkillBridge? So let's talk about different programs that veterans can maybe bolster their resume or learn about other jobs. Are you familiar with or does your company participate or do you know other companies? companies that participate in the SkillBridge program? Yeah, SkillBridge is, I feel like, one of the really growing programs that's out there for helping transition in military. And it's an amazing opportunity to gain real-world experience while you're getting ready to transition. And it's an awesome opportunity to learn about what companies do how it feels to work in an organization outside of the military and potentially gain some additional experience. My company is getting ready to build a SkillBridge program. We are a brand new company. So we literally just came into being in February of this year because we are six companies that have been merged together. So, And that's actually one of the things on my plate to build is a SkillBridge program, which I'm very excited about. But it is a great opportunity to grow your toolkit which I'm a big fan of, see what's out there and potentially get connected with a company that you have of interest or a skill set that you have of interest. So I'm a big fan of SkillBridge. Companies are a big fan of SkillBridge because it's an opportunity to to 
get to know somebody in the military and maybe even they'll transition and come to work for your company, which is really awesome too. So yeah, big fan. I think it's probably one of the smartest things that has happened in military transition in a while, other than the TAP programs, which I'm still a big fan of. (laughs) Fantastic. So my last question outside of then the personal question we're going to ask you is what advice do you have for the senior level transitioning service member? Maybe one or two points of advice of make sure you always do this or possibly even, but beware of this, don't do this. So whatever you think is important, what would be your tips of advice for that senior level transitioning service member? Network. You know, I can't tell you how many people we've had come over to our house for a beer I just sit and pick our brains about different types of jobs that are out there. Because I think one of the things you don't completely understand when you're transitioning out of the military is what types of work you can do or how your experience may transition into other agencies that you may not realize. So it's important to sit down and talk to a variety of different people, talk to people. And, you know, if you're going to stay in industry, talk to people in industry talk not just to talent acquisition people like me, but people who are there doing the work every day, other people who've transitioned out. What does it look like differently? What can I expect? All of those different things that are so important. Ask them based upon what your interests are, what kind of positions they think you would be a match for. You know, everyone knows that there are program managers and project managers and business development and those types of things. I feel like a lot of times senior level people getting out of the military go into business development roles and they really don't understand what that is. Um, And a lot of times it's because you have a really wonderful Rolodex and they want your relationships to benefit a company, which is awesome. I mean, it's great because you get to continue to support great work and connect people and do those types of things, but understand the expectations of what that is uh, as well, because I think sometimes, albeit a really great job, and I don't say this because there's anything nefarious, it's just sometimes people don't quite understand like what a day in the life looks like for them when they're getting out of the military because inevitably, whether you're running a program or you're doing BD or doing a variety of different things, your day may be a lot less structured. So I think making sure you figure out ways to structure your day when you start a new role as well is really important and ask other people in the military how they were able to build out that structure when they started another job as well and, and having those connections. The other thing is know your worth, understand your value. At a senior level transferring out of the military, you bring a lot of value. You bring a lot of value between what you've accomplished, what you've led, potentially what your job duties were could increase your value or it's still brings you into the work world with value. Understand too and learn about things like you're going to go into business and you're going to lead business. Understand things like profit and loss and understand maybe take some business classes if you can, because I feel like that's something that's brand new to people that transfer out of the military a lot of times, especially if they're going to get into any kind of business world. And then also just make sure that you're kind of doing a gut check. You know, I feel like it's kind of a whirlwind when you transition and you're looking for a job and you're going to be interviewing companies just as much as they're interviewing you. And if something seems off, trust your gut. 
Mm-hmm. Good advice. Good advice. And if you want something, ask for it because you know what? You're never going to get it unless you ask. Right. That's, that's and, our, you know, the, the answer is always no, if you don't ask, right? It is. So, but really take advantage of your networks. You know, if there are people in industry or neighbors that do things that seem really cool to you that you would like to do, talk to them, ask questions, understand all your options. I think one of the biggest things that I hear from people who've transferred out of the military and they're 10 or 15 years down the road is, I wish I knew I could have done that. Because at that point, they're far enough in their career where it doesn't make sense to pivot because at some point you kind of get the golden handcuffs a little bit. And, you know, I think a lot of times we do ourselves a disservice because it's just easy to move to something that was similar to what we had done versus taking advantage of all the education benefits that you get out of the military and everything else to maybe go do a passion. And so make sure you're seeking out those passions because inevitably this is the greatest time in your career other than the very beginning of your military career for you to seek them out and you'll never have them again. Good advice. Good advice. Now, I know I said that was going to be the last question, but it just made me think of a follow-up. How many of the people that you bring into your company or in the past you found through networking? Half. 50%. 50%. 50%. Excellent. And in hiring, we have an expression, and especially in my world, and it's called posting and praying. And posting a job and praying someone's going to apply that meets the qualifications. In my world, that doesn't happen very often. So we either get referrals, which I don't count as part of networking because they're not my networking. So we get referrals from our colleagues in our organization or, you know, we're networking, we're reaching out to people. I still pick, you know, pick up the phone and call people to fill a job. The other thing to remember, and you can do your buddy a favor, if somebody refers you for a job, most companies will pay them. So if you have a friend that works at a company and they refer you, they're probably going to make a couple thousand dollars at least referring you for a job. So it's a good way to, and not only does it help you because they see the name of someone that's a trusted agent putting their name down for you, you're going to have a buddy out because they're going to get paid as well. So that's equally (laughs) important. Talk about building up your company's loyalty, you know? Right. I'm going to be loyal to a company that rewards me for bringing on extra great talent. And then if you like where you end up, refer your friends, do the same thing. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of great benefits out there for people and for referrals, because ultimately in the study show, referrals are our best hires. So use your networks. Because I guarantee you, you're going to have a friend out there that's going to want to help you or connect you to people. I mean, Jeff and I connect people to people all the time. And, you know, and and we take delight in it, right? And, you know, and, and I sit down and I'll talk to people transitioning out of the military and I'll talk to them about offers that aren't even offers for my company because I just want to make sure that they're making the best decisions for them and or them and their families. So we always end on trying to give our audience something that allows them to connect to you a little bit on a personal basis. We want them to get to know you a little bit more outside of just that professional sense. So we always close our conversation as we're wrapping it up today. We close it with this last question. What is a fun fact that the audience should know about you, Jess? Fun fact. 
I'll give you two. Okay. Um, one, I used to sing and I went to college on music scholarship for singing. I don't sing anymore, so don't ask me to. <laughs> and two is, you know, I love my job and I love what I do, but my greatest job is being a mom. And I waited to almost 39 to have my amazing daughter. And it is truly the delight of my life. Even now we're hitting preteen years. So um, <laughs> I am always happy to talk about her and how she keeps me and my, my husband, who sometimes is the 800 pound gorilla in the room on our toes. <laughs> I love it. And I bet you sing beautifully. I'm going to have to offer you a glass of wine sometime and convince you to show me. But it might be uh, one more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I cannot thank you enough for just carving out a little bit of time in your day. I know that you're busy and I know that you uh, have a lot on your plate. So I just can't thank you enough for spending just this, you know, hour with us talking about what we can do to make this transition easier for veterans. That is, you know, when you talk about passion, that is my passion. I do not believe any veteran should ever have to step into the civilian workforce and not understand that they are a hot commodity, especially in today's hiring world, right? They are a hot commodity. So you have just reinforced that and given some wonderful tips and some wonderful advice. And when we post this, we will put your LinkedIn and encourage folks to reach out to you and contact you. And any other information that you would like, we will put in the show notes when we post this podcast. I love it. And just remember, nothing shows loyalty like military service. And employers are constantly looking for loyal employees and gifted employees. And make sure, and it's really hard because, you know, as part of the military, you're taught that you are a part of a team. But there's nothing wrong with self-promotion. Excellent. And make sure you self-promote and just make sure that you're worth it. And you ask for what you think you're worth. You may not get it. People may be honest with you, but, but ask, because if you don't ask, you're not going to get it and you're worth it. Thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate your time and we will never waste it. And to our transitioning military veterans, our focus is to bring you the aim small, miss small concept and hone your focus into each transition process step. Until next time. This has been the Tactical Transition Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to push the follow button on our podcast and subscribe to ESELseminars.com.